0: with this message that I keep getting from the Lord. And uh, I couldn't ask for a better lead-in right here. Because don't you love that when you're really seeking the Lord and you're really hearing from him, that he brings all kinds of confirmation from people who have no idea what he's saying to you? And uh, it's just like in his goodness that he just does that, you know, he just makes it so clear. And uh so so a few weeks ago I kept I kept feeling like the Lord said I want to open blind eyes. And I didn't share that with Pastor Don. He doesn't know that. I want to Open blind eyes. I just, I just have, I've just had that just ringing in my spirit as we've gathered together that the Lord just says, I, I want to do something and I want to open blind eyes. And I, I'm kind of like, that's not the message that I want to preach because I want to make people feel good. (sighs) I I don't want to call out blindness and make people repent. I just want (laughs) to, you know, (laughs) make you feel good. And it doesn't, I just keep coming back to some things. About blind eyes, and you know there, there's so many things in this world that can blind us to the work of jesus and i I actually just got a whole different section right now, so i 'm going to open with that, I guess, and we 'll see how it goes. so I apologize if it 's a little over all over the place this morning, but you know sometimes confusion and grief can blind us to the work of Jesus. And I just had this powerful moment with the Lord where I was thinking about right after Jesus' death. You know, he had all these people following him. And they were like, this is it. This is the guy we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. Like this is the whole reason we're on the planet. The Messiah is here and he is going to establish this kingdom and and we are going to get to see it. We this is it. We're in the days. And so they are living their best life, following Jesus, knowing that this is it. But then Jesus dies. A horrible death, unjust. And it leaves everyone like, what just happened? Even though Jesus has told them clearly all the things that are going to happen, they just couldn't get it. And so we all know Jesus doesn't stay dead. He rises from the dead. But before he sees his disciples, they're like in this thing, like like what has just happened over the last couple of days? And so there's this story, right? There's two disciples and they're walking on the road to Emmaus. And it says they're discussing the events of the last couple of days when Jesus appears and starts walking with them. And he be, Jesus is like, hey, why, why are you feeling so sad? What are you talking about? Please tell me. And so, so they begin to just pour out their hearts like, haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth? And he, you know, he died and they said he rose again and we went to look at the tomb and it was just like the ladies told us, but we haven't seen him yet. And we are so confused and so sad and distraught and we don't know what's happening. So Jesus walks all the way. This road is 17 miles. That's a long walk, you know, like, like Lisa, how long does it take us to do a couple, you know, 17, 17 miles, Jesus is with them and they're telling Jesus about Jesus. (laughs) Seven. Oh, I thought my Bible said 17, seven. It's still a long walk. Thanks for correcting me. I like people that do that because, you know, I just am bringing it by memory, um, so Jesus is walking with them all this way and they're telling Jesus about Jesus. And they have no idea. But their hearts are stirred when they're with him because Jesus begins to just like light them up with the kingdom, right? They still don't recognize that it's him. And so they get to the end of the road and Jesus is like, well, it's nice to see you guys, you know? And they're like, no, 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 come to our house. It's getting late, just, just come and stay with us, Right? And so Jesus comes in and they sit down for a meal at the table. And Jesus takes the bread. And when he breaks it, it says instantly they could see. He took the bread and blessed it and broke it and he gave it to them. And all at once, their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. And then he disappeared. Such an interesting story. But see, I was, I was so moved during communion. I was just like having this moment with the Lord, like thinking about John. John was saying, you know, when Jesus breaks the bread, it gets, it gets their attention. And I was thinking about like this, this matzah bread that we use for communion, you know, cause it doesn't have the yeast and stuff in it, so it's kind of hard. And I thought about the sound. <laughs> you know, the sound of the breaking of the bread and how that got their attention at the Last Supper. It just, You know, and it was like, oh, something is changing. Something new is happening. And then you have these guys who love Jesus, who are so covered in their confusion and their sadness. And what opens their eyes except for the sound of the bread breaking. And all at once their eyes were opened. Do you understand how powerful it is to come to the Lord's table the power of the broken bread to to open our eyes when you i mean i, I can 't even imagine what they thought we just told Jesus all about Jesus this whole time, you know and but they they said, How did we not know it was him couldn 't we tell that our hearts were deeply stirred? you know so it's like they were feeling the presence of Jesus, It was familiar, but they had no eyes to see that it was him because of their circumstances. Because it didn't play out like they thought it was going to. Because they they couldn't understand with their natural mind. And yet at the table, at the sound of the breaking of the bread, their eyes are opened. Is that powerful? Man, sometimes we just got to come to the table. You don't have to wait till the first Sunday of the month to break the bread. You know what I mean? Like you can go home and do that any old day. You should just keep you some, some juice and some bread and just nourish yourself. Man, open your eyes. Come to Jesus at his table. It's so powerful. So there's all kinds of things that, that can blind our eyes. It could just be your circumstances. It could just be that you can't understand what's going on around you with your natural mind. And you get so covered up in your battles and your losses and your grief. And, and that's not even a terrible thing. The point is that you have to encounter Jesus. If we want to have open eyes, we have to encounter Jesus. But see, the other thing is that the enemy is always at work, and he would love nothing more than to have a church walk around blinded. And one thing that keeps us blinded is by not growing, and becoming stagnant in who we are, and even worse, just becoming religious. See, there's there's something that's happening, I believe, all over and what, what's happened is a lot of Christians have become really good at building a facade and putting all of their attention and effort into building something that looks good on the outside. But there's nothing else. You guys still love me hanging in there? <laughs> See, there's no structure. There's no design. There's nothing behind a facade that can hold something, that, where something can dwell. I will never forget. The Lord brought this up to me last night when I was struggling I will never forget, we were at a convention, I think, or some kind of conference in a downtown area, and we were walking the streets in the downtown area. So, you know, like when you walk by all of the big, giant buildings, and you're just there, and you just see the buildings right there in front of you. So, we're walking, we're walking down, and there's, there's like a whole row of buildings that we're walking by. And you could hear construction going on, but you couldn't see it. So, it was just like, whatever, it's just loud downtown noise. We're walking by these buildings, and a construction worker opens the door to one of them, and there was nothing there. It was the most bizarre thing I have ever seen in my life. Like, I was like, whoa, wait, hold up like, John, did you just see that? He was like, no, I'm like, there's nothing there. Like, we have to see this. There's nothing behind these buildings, like three buildings. There's the front of the building, and then there's like massive, like 30-foot hole, Huge hole, no other walls standing, just rubble and a ginormous hole, except for you would never know it when you're walking downtown, because all you can see is the front of the building and you think you're just in a normal downtown. See, that's what a facade is. A facade is when you build something up front that looks like it belongs there. And it looks attractive. And it looks like there should be thousands of offices in that building. And then you open the door and there's just a pit. And nothing is there. It is unable to contain anything. Now, there's a problem when Christians begin to live their life this way. Or really anyone, but it's a big problem when Christians live their life this way, okay? Like, the world is good at facades. They should be. They don't have anything inside to offer anyway. But Christians should. See, when you work to build a life that looks good and godly... But you have nothing inside, it creates a problem. Because when your coworker begins, when something hits the fan for them, and they begin to, to experience extreme suffering, and they remember, I've seen that person's life, they have the answers. And when they come to you and you invite them in and they realize there's nothing there, You've done nothing. You've done nothing. See, because when you live with a facade, number one, you don't stand when the pressure comes. Because if all you have is the front face of a brick building, when it gets real windy or a storm comes, you better watch out. You know, have you ever played Legos with your kids? And you see who can build the the tallest tower. So, So I tricked the boys. This was so awesome. It's so awesome when your kids are little and you're so much smarter than they are. Don't you love that, parents? So they're like, we're going to build a tower, and it's going to be awesome. And so they're like building the wall. So they're just like single level, straight up, you know, because that's the way to get the tallest. You can use the most Legos that way, right? So then I was like, okay, I'm going to build mine, but I'm going to just go ahead and build mine in a cube and build up that way, so that there's like four walls, you know. And so then what happened is when they when they came, because if you have boys, you have to destroy everything you build. There's no reason. There is no reason to leave anything standing, right? I mean, the only reason you would build up a cool wall is to bust it down. And so so when they came and they try to bust it down, man, it takes nothing. And the, t- the higher the Lego gets and all of those things, they just fall over. And then everybody's like, eh, Mom, why is yours not falling? And then you're like, let me teach you a godly principle right now. Because when you have a foundation, you know... <laughs> See, foolish man built his house on the sand, son. That's like your Legos, and but mommy uses the rock. Uh, so, but see, there's there, there's something to that of when you when you just have a facade, when you only have a single level wall, when pressure comes into your life, you will crumble because you cannot stand. And and see, we're watching a lot of that happen in in Christians today. The world doesn't need to see us crumble under pressure. The world is looking to the Christians to see how can you suffer and still believe? How can you go through tremendously hard times through pressure and you still stand? See, when you, when you have something full, when you have built, when you have grown in the Lord, when he is dwelling in you and doing a work in you, then Christians suffer well. And it draws the world to us. They already know what it's like to live behind a fake facade and be crushed every time something happens in your life. When you live with a facade, you only have the ability to have surface-level relationships because you can't invite anyone inside. If you've worked really hard to have a sweet little life, that looks really loving and Christian. You can't ever really have anyone close to you because then they would know. So everything has to say surface because all you have is a surface. The church has we we can't do that. That's not God's will for his people. We're called to have depth of relationship. And you know, when you live with a facade, there's nothing inside. There's nothing sustainable. You can pour all you want through the facade, but it can't be held if there's no structure behind it. You know, Jesus isn't interested in you offering a pretty exterior. And quite frankly, neither is the world. And Jesus had plenty to say about people who lived this way. See, they were called Pharisees in the Bible. And the Pharisees were religious people who were really good at knowing the law and enforcing the law. All right, so they just knew it. They knew it all. They were so religious. Man, they knew the... the, the Bible better than anyone. They knew God's rules better than anyone. They were keeping them better than anyone. And they were pointing out when people weren't keeping them better than anyone. Okay. That's what a Pharisee is. And so, uh, I'm going to go to, um, uh, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus has an interaction here. It's so good. Uh, Matthew 15 is where we're going to go. Everybody just take a deep breath. You okay? Okay. A little heavy in here today. All right, so Uh, this is just so funny. Anytime I read about the Pharisees, I just love this. It's so funny. (laughs) So the Pharisees and the religious scholars came from Jerusalem, and they approached Jesus with this question. Why do your disciples ignore the traditions of our elders? For example, they don't wash their hands before they eat bread. You know, so it's like they're just coming to just say, hey, we've noticed that your followers aren't following the rules. And why is that? And so Jesus just like, you know, says, how come you ignore some of the commandments and you don't keep all of them? You know, he just kind of plays with them or whatever. And this is what he says about them. In verse 8, it's it's quoting Isaiah. It says, These people honor me only with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the the empty traditions of men. And then Jesus turned to the crowd and he said, Come and listen and open your heart to understand. What truly contaminates a person is, is not what he puts into his mouth, but what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes people defiled. This is the best scripture. Then his disciples approached him and say, Hey, Jesus, don't you realize you just offended the Pharisees? <laughs> you know, I, I, lo- I just like, we read this, and we just like have all the hindsight of Jesus and all the things, and I think I'd just be like right there with him. Like, oh, Man, it's getting intense here. Like, like, did you know that you just offended those guys over there? Like, that's what they're saying. Like, right in the middle of Jesus, like, say, he's teaching them this great principle, and he's like, you offended those guys. And Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant is destined to be uprooted. Stay away from them, for they're nothing more than blind guides. Do you know what happens when a blind man pretends to guide another blind man. They will both stumble into a ditch. And then Peter's like, hey, could you explain that last thing to us? And Jesus said, even after all I've taught you, you still remain clueless? Is it hard to understand that whatever you eat enters your stomach only to pass out into the sewer, but what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart? Words can pollute, not food. You will find living with an impure heart, evil ideas, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slander. That's what pollutes a person. Eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile anyone. See, Jesus is just rubbing up against a strict law that was there about what was clean, what was unclean, all of these things. But, but he, he comes against these Pharisees and they are just fit to be tied. They are just so offended. Here's the thing. You know, if you are, if you are a victim of a Pharisee mindset, you will be easily offended, especially in worship. You will be good at seeing other people sin. And you will feel really good about your life. And you will be able to live a life that you can do. If you are living on autopilot and you think that you can just live your Christian life in your own strength, you might be a Pharisee. I've lived that before. I want to live in a place where I can't do anything without the strength of God. Because that's when I'm deeply transformed. That's when I'm deeply relying on him. But hear me when I say, I, I'm, I'm not meaning to be so, hmm, for you this morning. Except for that I really sense that the Lord is, is really wanting to push against this. Like, do you understand That a Christian life is supposed to be one of radical submission and surrender to Jesus. Where you are absolutely relying on him and being changed from glory to glory to glory. You are not designed to be able to live the Christian life on your own. And in America, that is largely what the church does. That is not the life. I mean, you might need to go on a mission trip. Go watch people in other countries who fight each other to get into meetings, who press their faces up against the glass because the word of God is being preached there. Go to nations where you have young people who are the only Christian in their school and it's worth it. Go to nations where, where people are like, oh, I don't care if I'm killed because my country has to hear the gospel. Do you understand that there is a whole level Of living for Jesus that America has really lost. Because we become Pharisees when we live a life that we can manage. We have to be so dependent on Jesus. We have to be encountering him and allowing him to do a work in us. If you are a believer, you should be able to stand up and tell me how you are different this week than you were last month or a year ago from now because of the tremendous work that Jesus is doing inside of you. Because that is the nature of walking with Jesus is growth. and sometimes sometimes with our american mindset we can just think this is just so hard it's it's so hard to just live a godly life to to really do it it's it's just but here's the thing it's not because god is a good father and he has equipped you for everything you need Amen. to live a spiritual life that flourishes not that just skates by, not an average spiritual life. See the Holy Spirit has given you everything you need to live a spiritual life that flourishes. I'm gonna flip to Second Peter, if you want to go there with me. I'm gonna kind of jump back and forth between translations here. <coughs> second peter 1 you know first peter 1 doesn't have what i'm looking for it's amazing when that happens make sure you're in second peter i was like where is that verse in verse 3 it says everything we could ever need For life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. And as a result of all this, he's given you magnificent promises And through the power of those tremendous promise the tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires of this world. Now, so is this a good promise or what? Amen. To say everything you could ever need for life and complete devotion to God, has already been deposited in you. It's already there. So it's not... See, that takes away the pressure to even make a facade because all the ingredients are already in your spirit. So don't give in to the lie of the enemy that you have to pretend. See, that's the way the enemy is is confusing and deceiving the church today is by saying, you have to have it all together. So you need to build this thing that looks a certain way. And really... You already have everything inside of you from the Holy Spirit to just live the life. So there's absolutely zero reason to build some fake exterior to make it look better. Because you are not going to get better than what the Holy Spirit can do in you. Can I just tell you that? I know that you think you all know that, but then we live like we don't know that. You cannot build something better on the outside than what the Holy Spirit has already built on the inside of you. So let's not try to compete with him because my job is just never going to compare. It's just never going to do the job. It's just going to be in my own religious endeavor to build an idol like a statue that does nothing. You know, when everything inside of me from the Holy Spirit is there to live a godly life. There's there's no reason for me to do it out of my own strength because it's in your spirit already. So good. So good. We're going to keep reading there, but I'm going to switch translations. I've been reading out of the Passion translation. If you've been curious, it's so different, and I really like it. It kind of makes uh, scripture come alive to me in a new way because I'm so used to just reading it the same way. And then you read something with fresh words, and you're like, oh man, this is so good. It just becomes a fresh revelation and new for your heart. But listen to this. In view of all this, so all the things. That you've already been given to build your life. And all the promises. In view of all this. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. See, when you don't grow in your faith, it produces blindness in you. And you forget about the wonderful work of Jesus, that you've already been cleansed of all your sins. And you. that that's what happens, right? We forget that Jesus paid it all. And so we become blind to the work of Jesus. We can tell Jesus about Jesus because we can't see him, right? All those things that we've already talked about. And you begin to build something out of your own strength because you're not growing in your faith and you're forgetting the work of Jesus, But when you respond to God's promises and you begin to grow in your faith, you begin to walk in moral excellence. Knowledge, self-control, patience and patient endurance. I mean, anybody who's been walking with Jesus for a long time, these are things that He's working out in you. Amen. Like, can I, is that like working in other people's lives too? You're like, yeah, I'm learning some endurance. Yeah, God is working some patient endurance into me and He is working on my morality for Him and He's, He's working on my, my love for all people. Right? And that's not just like magic. See, it's a response to the Holy Spirit in you. And so this whole thing is not meant to like kick you in the teeth and send you home and say, you blind Pharisees, repent right now. Okay? That might be the vibe that you're getting, but that's not my heart this morning. See, following Jesus, you already have it all inside of you. You just have to genuinely connect with him and allow him to begin to work on those things. Sometimes that means him saying, hey, you're acting like a blind Pharisee, repent. Sometimes it means, hey, can you just continue? Just keep putting one foot in front of the other even though your life is hard and I know you don't wanna do this thing in your life that I've asked you to, but if you just keep doing it, I'm walking with you. What is that? It's endurance. It's endurance. See, when you connect with Jesus, he gives you knowledge. See, when you connect with Jesus, he is so gentle and faithful and loving to say, hey, that little thing in your heart, let's get rid of that so that you can look more like me. And it's never about condemnation. It's never about saying, can't you get your act together? Can't you just be good enough already? See, all of that plays into facade, and that is not the heart of the Holy Spirit. If you are ever feeling, even if it's like if you are taking anything from the Holy Spirit or like from this message, for example, and turning it into I'm not good enough and I better work harder and try harder, that is Pharisee-minded thinking. That's never the reason that Jesus points out our blind spots. Because... The ultimate goal is transformation. I don't know about you, but I want to look more like Jesus. I want to love more like Jesus. I've got a long way to go. So it's not even, it's not like a one time and you're done. We're talking about years and years and years of growth. Like I've been a Christian for a long time. (laughs) That number used to be smaller. Do you ever just get shocked in your mind? Like, how could I? I've been a Christian for 27 years. I've lived my Pharisee days. I've lived good days. I've lived bad days. I've lived close to Jesus. I've been transformed. But, man, I can look over my life and honestly say... Jesus has changed me. Some of you can be like, Jesus has changed her. (laughs) Some of you have been around a while. You're like, yeah, uh, I used to know a lot more than I know now. (laughs) You might might be a Pharisee if you know it all. (laughs) Transformation is always the heart of the father. Not because you're doing a bad job and messing up life. Because he has something so special for you. He loves you so much that when you were born again, he just went ahead and put everything inside your spirit that you need for life and godliness. Can you just wrap your mind around that? That you have everything inside of you already. I remember... I remember the moment that I had that revelation. It was in the middle of a deliverance session that I felt like I was losing. (laughs) When I went, hold on. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me. Everything I need... For life and devotion to God is in me. Something switched, and I was just like, Nope, we're not doing that. And the whole thing ended, and it was good. See, you have to have the revelation that everything you need is already inside of you. You don't need Pastor John so that you can grow in Jesus. God will use Pastor John or myself or pastors or speakers that you're listening to to stir the things that are already in your spirit. But you have Holy Spirit in you. You have everything you already need for life and godliness inside of you. So there's no reason to buy in to a lie that we have to have everything together and keep it pretty on the front. Jesus isn't interested in your pretty front. And neither is the world. The world is interested in seeing real Christians who walk through real things, who can be a hot mess when they need to be, but still love Jesus. See... Because what happens is when we go through extreme suffering as believers or tragedy or we're really battling and people begin to watch our lives, they see, man, we do it with hope. We do it with joy. We do it out of heartache, yes. Out of grieving, yes. Sometimes kicking and screaming, yes. But there's something inside of us. That's hopeful, that's being transformed by it all. And so we celebrate it. We celebrate all of those crazy things that come into our life because I think, oh man, God, you are doing a work right here. I value, I value some of the most hard times in my life because of the work that Jesus did in me. And I think, I, I just thank God daily. Thank you that I, that you rescued me from a Pharisee mindset before I went through hard things so that I could be deeply transformed. So that I could be deeply transformed by heartache and not have to just pretend like it was all okay. It's so powerful. So I just really sense that there's some of you that like the Lord is just saying, I want to open your eyes. I want to open your eyes, whether it's been circumstantial stuff that's just got you kind of covered up and you're just like, well, that happened and I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, if you're in that place and you're talking to Jesus about Jesus and you're not fully aware of his presence with you, maybe you just need to hear the breaking of the bread and have your eyes opened. Maybe maybe you're like, hmm, that list of you might be a Pharisee if kind of hit home, <laughs> you know what? Here's the great news. If you're like going, I've been thinking like a Pharisee, you know what you do about it? You repent. You say, God, I am so sorry that I have been thinking like a Pharisee, that I have made it all about me, that I have been so quick to point out other people's sins, that I think I know it all better than you, that I am offended all the time around other believers. I repent for that and I choose to just let that go and I ask that you would renew my mind. And you get up and guess what? New mind. See, you don't have to like like wallow in it forever about how bad of a Christian you've been because you've had a pharisee mindset because you're still being a pharisee. If you do that. You just repent. You ask God for new eyes. See, that's the that's the beauty of it, is if God is saying to our church, I want to open up the blind eyes, that means he wants to open up the blind eyes. It means that you get sight. It means that you get revelation. It means that you get encounter with Jesus. It means the scales fall off and you enter into a brand new season of your life. And it's amazing. And so we're going to end with this. I want you to stand up. Saul was the biggest bully in the Bible. One of them. He was a bully to Christians. He hated them. He was killing Christians. He was on assignment. And you know who he was? He was a Pharisee. I'm serious. He was. He knew the Bible better than anyone. He lived it out better than anyone. I mean, he was just killing Jesus lovers. He was just like, lovers of Jesus, they're just dying everywhere at my hand. I'm going to imprison them. I'm going to take them out. Like, that was his heart. He's a big bully. And so he's on assignment to go get Christians in Damascus. And he has an encounter. And God gets him. Like light flashes, falls to the ground. He hears the audible voice of Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? And he goes into the city blind from this experience. And he's fasting and praying. And God sends a strong believer. He says, I want you to go pray for Saul. And he does. And when Ananias lays his hands on Saul and prays for him, it says something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see. And Saul, just in an instant, went from Pharisee to radical lover of Jesus because of his encounter. See, when you come to the Lord's table, when, when you encounter Jesus, that's the best way for us to have our eyes opened. And so I, I want to just pray right now. I want you to just put your hands over your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to every set of eyes that has been blinded by grief by circumstances, by confusion, or by pharisaical thinking. And I say, be opened in Jesus' name. Eyes open up. Begin to see Jesus for who he is. Begin to see yourself for who you are. Lord, I thank you for doing a work in us. And and right now we can just take a minute. If you need to repent before Jesus, just do it. Jesus. Move on our hearts. Oh God, we don't want to be believers who build a facade and are limited to surface level relationships and crushing under pressure. We don't want to live with empty lives that have nothing real to offer to a hurting world around us. Oh God, would you come and do a work in us? We repent for making it about us. For elevating ourselves over others or you. Thank you Jesus for renewing our minds. And for breaking a religious spirit that would try to come in and keep us. From fully encountering you and from fully loving the world the way we're supposed to. And from fully loving each other for that matter. Lord, and can we just say that we will be a church that even though it's terrifying, it's terrifying to begin to break down a facade sometimes and live a real authentic life that's being changed and transformed because that's not always fun to have patient endurance built in us. But we want to be that people. We will step out from behind anything that we have made with our own hands to follow you, Jesus. To allow you access to the innermost part of our heart, no matter what you might find there. We give you permission to begin to build, to begin to transform And in the process, God, I thank you that we will see you in ways that we have never seen you before because our eyes will be opened. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the revelation going deep that everything that we need for our life and for true devotion to you is already inside of us. Let us rest in your work today, Jesus, that you have saved us. You have freed us from our sins, and you are doing an amazing work in us. So we choose to lay down our hands and say, your work is enough. We will not compete with you. Give us fresh eyes for the world around us. And God, would you just start a fire in our hearts? For every person right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, begin to set them ablaze. Begin to breathe on the coals of their heart, God, and start a fire in them that's fresh. And pure and free of religion. We want to be a people who see your kingdom come. And your will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven. So we'll face the hard things. We'll live the real life. And we'll surrender to you. In Jesus mighty name. Amen.
1: As I was on the way to church this morning, I felt like the Lord gave me something for this church. And um, Rick cut his finger a few days ago and he had to get stitches, and it's just like really bandaged up. And our son said, wow, you have a big bandage on that. And I said, that's because it's keeping it from being re-injured so it can heal. And I, I broke my wrist uh um, couple years ago, and I remember the nurse saying to me, now you be careful, even with that cast, because you could re-break that bone. And this church is called to be a bandage, to be a cast, where people can come and find a safe place to be healed. And I'm not just talking about lost, because there are Christians out there that have Their hearts are broken, and they couldn't find a place, a safe place to heal. So they would go in these churches, and they'd be re-injured and re-hurt. And so what I feel like it's so important that you hear what Ashley's saying, because, see, there's a call on your life to be a part of bringing healing to people who have stumbled and hurt, and they're, they're broken, and they're wounded, and they can't even be fruitful. And so when you are a part of that healing because it's a safe place for people to come and be healed. Some will come and they will go out and they'll leave. Some will stay and be doctors and nurses here. But some will go other places and everything that they do. You're a part of this church may never be a mega church, but it will have mega, 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 mega rewards because everyone that goes out from here, because they've been loved and healed and not judged, you will be a part of the fruit in their life. And I just think that's so profound for you. I will never forget you guys. I will never forget you and everything that God gives me the great privilege to do. And Rick, as we leave here, you guys will be a part of it. I just love you. I love you more than I can put into words. You're a beautiful group of people. And it's a safe place. There aren't a lot out there, honestly. I looked, <laughs> I know. Especially in West Texas. There's just not a lot. So I tell people when I tell them about my church. It's the most non-judgmental church I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot. <laughs> and been involved in ministry in a lot. And you guys are top. It's precious. Just wanted to say that before I left. Thank you. Oh, I love this woman. This woman and John. You guys are beautiful. You're so awesome. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Amen. I guess we go home now. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know what we should do. Uh, Thank you, guys. If you need any more prayer, come find somebody and uh, give Rick and Bonnie prophetic words on their way out. And uh, have a wonderful week.